Getting hip? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. Save the Date is hosted by comedian, author, and all-around wedding lover, Alicia McCormack. Good golly, indeed. I love a wedding. I love talking about weddings. I love sharing new wedding things with you, old wedding things, basically anything wedding. I've said wedding 43 times now, and it's we're 30 seconds in. Welcome to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Very happy to be bringing you a special celebration week. I've done a few of these so far. This is actually episode 91 of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. That is 91 episodes are filled to the brim with wedding planning advice and experts. And that is what I'm celebrating in the next two episodes. That is the Save the Date Wedding Bloggers Week. It's a time for me to celebrate my fellow wedding bloggers. Well, I'm not really a wedding blogger. I'm not in that crew, but they have welcomed me with open arms. And it's been lovely getting to know some of the people behind our favorite blogs. And one of the questions I asked on Facebook recently is where you go for your wedding information. And it's been really interesting getting the feedback from people and seeing the different avenues that they take depending on what sort of wedding that you are planning. Perhaps you're a real magazine fiend. I can pretty much answer for most of us out there that as soon as you get engaged, you go out and you buy your very first wedding magazine. And some people find a wedding magazine and stick to it and they buy a year or two, depending on how long your engagement is, worth of wedding magazines and they subscribe. I think that's wonderful. Of course, you're all listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, and I sometimes describe this wedding podcast like a magazine for your ears. I try and keep it pretty broad and also, you know, talk about things that you want me to talk about. But uh, it's interesting hearing the feedback of, of different styles of wedding and different styles of bride as to where they go for their wedding information. And to be honest, really, in the last five, maybe six years, the idea behind, well, the concept of a wedding blog has really exploded. And I have met some very interesting people, all from various uh, walks of life where we have people that have given up full-time corporate careers and careers in creative industries to really focus on becoming a full-time wedding blogger. And it's interesting, most wedding blogs and wedding bloggers that I've spoken to created their blogs. I would say this is like 85% of people that I've spoken to have have focused on creating their wedding blog due to a, an area in their wedding planning that wasn't covered by other wedding blogs or magazines or mainstream, and I use that very loosely, wedding media. So I love hearing about people sort of saying, well, uh, you know, I mean, Jen Carrera, she she does a beautiful blog called Something Turquoise, and you'll be hearing from her this week. She just said, look, there really wasn't a website that I could go to and learn all about bridal and wedding crafts and DIY. And she sort of started it as a project to say, look, here's something, here's what I've been doing for my wedding. And it grew from there. Again, Cat Williams, the uh, pink-haired, often blue-haired, I think she is now, blog mistress from Rock and Roll Bride. She started her blog after her wedding where she was planning what she would call an alternative wedding. 
she has tattoos. She used some fabulous sort of colorful decorations. Like you can go back and look at her very first post. It's fun. It's great. And it really was honing in on an area in the wedding industry that was not being recognized and spoken about. And she has turned that into a fabulous business and a really great resource. If you are planning what I would term an alternative wedding, we, we all term an alternative wedding, perhaps you are incorporating your love of, I don't know, the more, I don't want to say hardcore because there's lots of things in my wedding that I would have sort of classified as a rock and roll wedding. But it's the idea that you're not necessarily creating something that's out of style me pretty. Perhaps, again, one of my favorite wedding blogs, perhaps you should check out uh, Rock and Roll Bride and also join the Rock and Roll Bride Facebook forum. I'm a member and there are some really fabulous, interesting brides on that forum, all sharing their wedding planning journeys, photos, bridal uh, DIY projects, all this sort of stuff. So really, this week is all about sharing the best bits and some new bits with you that haven't been to air yet uh, of my bridal wedding blogger people. I've got such a wonderful array of wedding bloggers who focus in on the... I'm going to say this, Americans, niche, or as you would say, niche, in their specific areas. So, you know, we've got people that look like uh, Karen Cinnamon from Smashing the Glass. Her focus is planning, well, celebrating Jewish weddings. So whether you're planning a full Jewish wedding or you are tipping your hat to Judaism, as we would say in her interview, that's an option for her to talk about, you know, incorporating these ideas and traditions into your wedding. Also, we have the wonderful Jess from Budget Savvy Bride, one of my favorite wedding blogs. It is the most, well, it's beautiful to look at, but well-organized blog to focus on ideas to cut the cost of your wedding without having to have anyone else notice. I am such a fan of what she does. I subscribe to all her stuff and her ideas and posts are really lateral thinking, fun, and just superbly uh, demonstrated. I just will. Can I, can I kiss ass anymore? Beautiful Jess? No, because it's true. There it is. So I'm going to bring you highlights of all these wonderful uh, interviews so you can catch up and refocus and also celebrate some of these fabulous, fabulous wedding blogs. So shall we crack on? Of course we shall. For today's show notes, discount links, and more, visit savethedatepodcast.com. Speaking of Jess from Budget Savvy Bride, one of the first questions that I asked her, and I think it rings true so much of uh, what I try and get across in the podcast, is the word budget and how it's become sort of like a dirty word and how we would like to reclaim it and make it something that we all stand by. I always like to say that being budget savvy isn't about being cheap or, you know, tacky or anything like that, but it's about being smart about how you spend your money. And that's like a big part of my philosophy. Totally agree. And I think there's so much on your website that you can actually translate into normal life, whether you're planning a wedding or not. I think there's some really great um, tactics and also just, as you said, foreplanning and forethought that you don't need to spend money straight away. Absolutely. And I feel like, um, you know, brides who want to be budget savvy with their wedding planning are probably the kind of gals that are, you know, smart and savvy shoppers in general. So I definitely, they're my people, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm that way. And I think a lot of our readers are that way too. 
I'm such a member of your tribe, I can't even tell you. In episode 24 of the Save the Date Wedding podcast, Jess and I really sort of honed in on this idea of aesthetics and planning a wedding and being influenced by Pinterest boards and magazines. And one of the big, not problems, but one of the big issues that I think uh, that is happening at the moment with people that are planning weddings and events is that we get locked into this idea of how everything looks and we repin everything. But one of the faults, dare I say, with Pinterest, but it sort of works the other way for people that are selling things, is that you can click on something, but you don't really know how much it costs. So it's hard when you are trying to manage a wedding budget and plan something that you want to look a certain way, you want to buy a certain dress, you want a table that is set out in a certain design or style or theme or decor. Uh, it is easy to look at a styled shoot or something that a, a wedding magazine or a blog has put together. It's easy for a couple or a bride, probably more so than a groom, although there are lots of male Pinterest boards now. It's really taking off, but very easy for a bride to pin this and say, this is exactly what I want. But then actually trying to figure out how to cost what you're finding and looking for, I think is actually a bit of a design flaw that of course, Pinterest are working on, they're doing paid pins and things now. So you will be able to go through and actually click and buy, but sometimes it can get a little frustrating. Uh, when you are, you found something fabulous, I think I mentioned coming up in this little clip I'm going to play you is that you find the dress of your dreams and then you finally do a Google image search and, and actually drill down to see where you can buy this dress on Pinterest. Um, and you realize it's $10,000 or it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. It's seven years old. The company's moved on. They're not making it anymore. So that's frustrating. But what is great about visiting wedding blogs like the beautiful Budget Savvy Bride, is that she actually organizes real weddings into budget categories. So if you have $10,000 uh, in your budget, or maybe you have 20 or 5 she has different categories where you can click on and actually look at what a real bride and groom have spent, and she links to all of their suppliers and make sure that you know exactly where the money has gone. And I think that's so helpful when it comes to being realistic and also adjusting your expectations of what that big amount of money can get you. So that's what I talked to her about, about how she features real weddings and how helpful that has been to her readers. Yeah, it's really amazing. And I think it's so fun just to see how being creative and doing some DIY projects and things like that can really, you can bring this beautiful vision to life without spending a ton of money. And I think it's so motivating and inspiring to see how other brides did it. And I really hope that that comes across like when, when new brides are visiting our site looking for ideas. If you come in with a specific budget, I find it always really hard when you're looking through wedding magazines and Pinterest. A lot of the times they don't talk about the money. It's all about the image and the, the curated, uh, you know, beautiful beautiful photos and stuff, but they don't really sort of say, hey, if you were to really put this together, it'd cost you $100,000 or whatever. So I, it's a really great thing that you're offering to readers straight up saying, this is what you can get for your money without any, all the BS that's attached to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a great resource. And like you said, you know, you can, 
go to any number of hundreds of different wedding blogs and websites on the internet and see beautiful weddings, but you have no idea how much they spend. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it can be a little disheartening and a little, you know, um, just added pressure onto what you're already dealing with when trying to plan a wedding on a budget. Hells yeah. (laughs) You know, the hard thing is you see a dress or something and then, you know, you click through and you you get your little hopes up and then you realize it's $10,000 and that's the whole wedding budget gone. I think it can be really... (laughs) I know. Debbie Downer. It's wild. It's really wild. And I feel like, you know, we've really tried to figure out what our readers are working with and in terms of their budget and we've surveyed them and try to do so regularly. And so I just did a big bridal market roundup. I went to, you know, New York bridal fashion week. They did a full feature on, you know, all the wedding dresses under $1,500 that I saw because, you know, in our surveys, that was kind of our readers maximum budget. And so I want to only show them things that are like actually attainable for them. So they're not feeling overwhelmed you know, sad that they can't actually afford what they're seeing on our site. Such great advice there. And if you would like to share your real wedding with uh, Jess, I know she appreciates people submitting their real wedding on a budget. If you have a question that you would like Jess to answer, I would love to have her back uh, on the Save the Date Wedding podcast very soon. She's a great gal. Visit thebudgetsavvybride.com. Make sure you subscribe to her newsletter too because she has a lot of great connections with with the suppliers that do discounts. She's got such a good reputation now. And if you are after, especially if you're in the States, it's very much worth subscribing to her newsletter because she does share that with her followers. In the intro to this episode, I was talking about uh, Rock and Roll Bride, how Cat Williams found a great sort of subcategory of fabulous brides who were in desperate need of her help and sharing Alternative wedding ideas. And to be honest, alternative weddings really doesn't mean that you are, you know, are covered in tattoos and have colored hair and want to wear, I don't know, a bikini to your wedding. I love the classification that, that Kat gives to who an alternative bride and who an alternative groom and couple are. And, uh, speaking with her, she's got so much energy and she's so vivacious when it comes to her readers and also this idea of what alternative means to her. If you're getting married and you want to have an alternative wedding, but you don't know how far to push it, what's your advice to brides and grooms who, who don't want to look like the wedding magazine, typical bride and groom, but who do want to be a bit edgy? Um, I would say like, you just need to, I mean, it's such a cliche now, but you just have to be yourself. Like, just sit down and think, what things do we love? What things do we both love? How can we bring these into our wedding? Like, if you pick things that you really like and that kind of naturally feel like you, then it won't be too much, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to do something really crazy, then go for it. But it's not what it's about. It's not a show. It's not like who can be the coolest, most alternative wedding. It's like about being yourself. I think that's a really good point that you bring up Kat because I think um, with Pinterest and and also Instagram on, on some level as well we have become quite obsessed with the curation of of these perfect moments from weddings that that I think aren't necessarily true to the, the people that are getting married we, we've become obsessed with the look of one's particular thing and trying to replicate that mm. how do you well, feel about that well yeah here's the thing like you look at a wedding on a blog and you see, what, 50 pictures from a day of where there was probably 
a thousand pictures taken and the actual experience of the wedding is very different to seeing the pictures of the fucking flowers and <laughs> all that exactly, stuff. Exactly, yeah. You shouldn't be comparing this. I, I always say you shouldn't compare your full-length movie to someone's trailer. Like, the stuff that's being put out on the internet is the highlight reel. Mm. It's the stuff you see on the blockbuster trailer, and then you get you get and watch the movie, and you're like, this is actually really long, and there's all this other stuff going on, and, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to deal with my family, and I have to deal with caterers, and... <laughs> very different actual experience so you really have to you know there's a cle- the, the old cliche comparison is the thief of joy is so true because you can't compare yourself to what you see on the internet it's not real amen and i i can't play that clip more i can't play it more often i would i absolutely stand by that and i think it seems to be the running theme of all my wedding bloggers that i've had on my wedding bloggers it's like i own them it's like my special collection of wedding bloggers I'm a tyrant, a wedding blogger tyrant. All of the wedding bloggers that I've had um, as guests on the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the running theme is be yourself, be individual, don't be pressured. They put out a lot of information. I think it's very overwhelming planning a wedding these days because you do have such a huge amount of information to consume and sometimes it can get completely overwhelming. I imagine, I often ask lovely, lovely, lovely mothers of the bride when I go along to these wedding shows and I take my microphone, I always ask, what's changed when it comes to getting a wedding happening these days as to when you got married and the theme the running theme that I always sort of hear was oh it was a lot simpler then and it was a lot cheaper and we didn't certainly didn't fixate on things for months and months and months we decided to get engaged and then three months later we were married and often my mum planned it and we just got married at the church hall and you know it's really interesting seeing how this business has evolved and how much we have become focused. I mean, look at this. I'm doing a wedding planning podcast. This is all I talk about. Well, this sort of world, this umbrella world of relationships, consumerism, planning, friendships, it's all become a big event now. As I said at the top of the show, people are making their living now writing about weddings, talking about the planning process. There are wedding planners. There are people that create these sort of magical moments. Whereas 25, 30, 50 years ago, that would have been unheard of, completely unheard of. Here's a bit of a homework thing. Ask your mum and ask your grandmother, if you are lucky to have both of those people still around, what it was like for them when they planned their wedding. And I guarantee you it will be an eye-opener if you haven't already talked about it. Just get the vibes from them because really the world we're living in now is a very different world to when they probably got married and also the ideas behind wedding and the consumerist culture that has sort of developed over these last sort of 10 to 15 years in particular where we all are planning these quite elaborate events. They just didn't exist back then and if they did, you probably bloody you know, JFK and Jackie Onassis. Well, she wasn't Onassis then, I'll have you know. Jackie Kennedy, Bouvier. These are, uh, you know, new things to our generation. So that's a fun little activity. Chat to an older lady in your life and ask them what the hell's changed and would she do it differently? And does she think it's all a bit of a pomp and ceremony now? 
uh, is it over the top? Is it crazy? Or would she love to be a part of it? I think a lot of women in that age group, another answer they always give me is, oh, this is so much fun. I'm just having a lovely time. I never even thought about tinsel and tinsel's probably not part of it. Never thought about bunting and all these wonderful little details. They didn't exist in my day. That's what you hear. And it's delightful that they're jumping on the bandwagon, but also it's nice to hear that they had a lovely day. They do it no differently. It was chill. It wasn't crazy. And perhaps we can take a bit of advice from them too. One aspect of wedding planning that has certainly taken off probably since your mum and grandmother got married, that is DIY, crafting, Pinterest, Etsy, all these sort of made to measure. Well, actually, I bullshit. That's actually lies. I was going to say they weren't doing that stuff, but they probably were doing that stuff, but it wasn't hipsters doing that stuff. It was them doing it because that's all they had to do it because no one was making that stuff. Do you get that? Do you get my circle motion of, of logic there? The idea that we hand make things is kitsch now, whereas I suppose in our um, mothers and grandmothers' eras were probably out of necessity. So one thing that has become very popular is the handmade boutique bohemian look that has been growing more and more these days with wedding planning. And I often encourage, and you will hear this in, uh, well, the next episode, especially of the Wedding Bloggers Week, it's the idea that you can DIY without the why. One of my most popular episodes of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast is looking at the popularity of Etsy and how, yes, you can absolutely commit to learning a craft, getting in, buying all the stuff, but also if you aren't time time heavy, then uh, perhaps purchasing some of these items from Etsy with the handmade look and supporting a local artist or manufacturer, a boutique manufacturer, is the way to go. But one of, again, as I said, DIY and crafting have been some of my most popular episodes of the Save the Date Wedding podcast. And one of the best guests I've had in this topic is a lovely lady called Jen. Her website is Something Turquoise. I talked about it at the top of the show. Jen was a former hairdresser who then got into crafting and DIY. She's very good at it. But the best thing about visiting her website, somethingturquoise.com, is that she does these wonderful step-by-step tutorials where you can learn the art and craft and the practical side of it without just clicking on a Pinterest board where they go, I've made this wonderful thing. And then when you start making it, you realize this takes 19 hours. So the great thing about visiting Jen's website is that you can get a step-by-step tutorial. She takes very detailed, her husband takes wonderful photographs of all of her projects and It's a must visit if you are attempting any sort of craft or wedding DIY projects. So here's a little excerpt from when I spoke to her about who should craft and should you take on a craft, a DIY project prior to your wedding if you aren't necessarily an Edward Scissorhands bride. I think the first step would be either to listen, hear or read how to do the project in depth first before you uh, take anything on. I mean, if you're a first-time crafter, definitely having a a good friend around who is experienced can help a lot. Or reading tutorials that are detailed online that really kind of take you through the project and you can visually see how it's done beforehand and you can't rush. 
through projects. I really think that taking your time, enjoying the process, having good information to start with. Often on Pinterest, I always find there are pictures of pretty things, but no bloody explanation as to how making anything. I find it really frustrating. Yeah, I find that as well. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to share on my blog was that um, was real detailed step-by-step projects because I find that as soon as girls get engaged, they have like this innate feeling that they need to make something for it. Yes. Um, You know, you do have to come up with a theme. You do have to plan some things. You do have to make some things as a bride unless you are just leaving it all to your wedding planner. So um, I realized that some brides have never made anything before. So I thought if I can share super detailed pictures of me actually doing the project right in front of the camera instead of just, you know, just a few, maybe five pictures, then that's going to make people feel much more comfortable with actually trying the project instead of just a few pictures. So I think that that really resonated with my readers. Some I know who have visited the blog, planned their weddings, and been done and over with have come back uh, to find projects and inspiration just for uh, Christmas gifts and for uh, Valentine's and for uh, baby showers and things like that because the projects that I make can be translated into uh, other types of parties. The projects that I do share, I am actually creating right in front of the camera. So you're seeing my entire process. One of Jen's most popular Pinterest posts that she has created uh, over the years. It's one I see being reposted even uh, now. It's it's crazy. Um, is her felt flower tutorial? It sounded like a vocal warm up. Felt flower tutorial. I can't say it again. Felt flower tutorial. If you are having a flower free wedding, or if you're just looking for some really pretty very easy DIY projects to have as maybe table centerpieces or to use as an aisle runner floral floral decor. These are options for you. What's also great about Jen's website and speaking with Jen is that she uses only items that you can purchase on Amazon or at your local cheapo shop. <laughs> I think we all know what I mean, like a $2 shop or a £2 shop or a dollar store or whatever. These are really practical, easy-to-find items, and I think that is the key to success when it comes to DIY because, as Jen does say in this interview, it's not cheap. DIY isn't something that you necessarily do to save money, and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that is put out by, well, some other wedding blogs and also wedding magazines and uh, on the telly is that they're like, DIY it and you'll save a bunch of money. But it's always really important to remember that if you don't have the items to create the DIY stuff, you have to then purchase those as well, which is again why I sometimes push this idea of going and buying it from Etsy or whatever because you don't necessarily have to buy all the items that are involved in actually creating the item. A lot of the times I'm inspired by products. When I'm making a favor or when I'm making something, I really want to make sure that the people finding my tutorials can actually find these um, supplies. There is nothing worse than finding something that you love on Pinterest and then realizing that they got the supplies at some boutique by their house that you can't get. Sometimes it happens when I'm just walking through Michael's or other craft stores like Joann's and I see something and I realize like, oh my gosh, you know, they sell this online or 
I have an idea and I search Amazon to see if I can get it and if it's something that other people can get as well. So products are definitely a huge part of my inspiration. I mean, I look everywhere for inspiration. Sometimes these things just come to me and I I don't know how to explain it. Um, I like to say that sharing my tutorials is a huge responsibility because if I if I spell something wrong, my readers are quick to tell me. Oh. I don't include something, my readers are quick to tell me. If they can't find something, they tell me. So I really try my absolute hardest to make sure that everything's accessible to them. So um, I feel like some people DIY their events to create a unique, specialized theme that no one else will have. And then there's other people that do need to DIY for budget reasons. So if you are that budget reason person, um, obviously there's no problem with that. I, I admire people that are going to try to stick to their budget. The best thing that you can do is uh, search for tools on places like eBay and Craigslist where you can get them cheaper. You can borrow them from friends. Um, Most everyone I think has a crafty friend or aunt or sister or someone in their, uh, in their realm And so they can go to them and say, hey, can I borrow those really nice scissors of yours or whatever the case may be. So to really minimize your cost, the best place is going to be minimizing on tools because some of them you may never use again. Yeah, that's a good point. You really need to make sure that you are using supplies that you can buy in bulk or things that you can cut down. You know, you can't buy a pack of stickers and only need to use that one sticker that comes in that pack, you know. Um, But you can make your own stickers using sticker paper that you can print from your computer, cut up those stickers yourself. So, Jen, it's all about thinking laterally. It's like you said, you know, don't buy a whole packet of things if you only need to use one of them. Figure out a way to make that one thing. (laughs) Yep, or try to find a package where that one thing is repeated. That's all you get in that package is that one thing. Sure. When you're planning out your project, you really have to look at the supplies that you're buying and browse around. So sometimes you can find the same supply in the big box retailer by your store, by your home on Amazon, um, and it's cheaper. But then there could be shipping. When you're when you're working on a budget, you really need to make sure that you take the time to research large ticket items that you're buying because you want to make sure to get the best price on them. That is the wonderful Jen from somethingturquoise.com. Go and visit her website and uh, do follow her on Pinterest because it is a world of fun. It is a world of, I don't know, I'm constantly surprised of some of the stuff that she pulls out of her crafty hat, <laughs> if I do say so myself. I love pinning her stuff and... um you know, I'm as I said in that interview, we live in a very small apartment. I do not have a candy spelling style craft or wrapping room, but she does do lots of great tutorials that only require a couple of things that you can always purchase very easily. And I suppose the theme of this episode, as well as being the best of bridal wedding bloggers, blogger week, get that hashtag sorted out, Alicia, is about being versatile and adapting to your needs, your theme. Like the lovely Jess said from Budget Savvy Bride, if you're on a budget, make it work for you. Don't be worried about trying to plan a $100,000 wedding when you've only got $10,000. Make that money work for you. And don't be trying to think about things that are unattainable. 
think laterally. Make those things work for you in your price range. Visit her website. Check out what people have done in your price range. You'll be completely flabbergasted at people's creativity, but also about people just hunting down bargains. Really, it's about making the extra step and effort. I love Cat Williams' sentiments all about the idea that it's not a competition. What you're planning is a celebration and a party and a ceremony. Perhaps it's retached. It's retached to religion, uh, attached to religious beliefs. Perhaps it's not. You could be an atheist. You could be someone that believes in space cadets. It doesn't really matter. It's what is important to you. And I think it's really important to address the notion of this competitive element to wedding planning. And I love that Kat, although she's attached to a website that's all about being alternative and her ethos is all about celebrating that, it's also, I love that she sort of said that people do write to her and say, oh, I don't think I'm cool enough. And really just putting the kibosh on that sort of bullshit is great. And I love that she's the voice of that, just saying, listen, do what you want to do, be authentic in what you the output of what you create and what it is about and you can't go wrong. And of course it was wonderful to really feature again Jen from Something Turquoise and looking at DIY and picking the right projects for you, making sure that you don't go crazy buying a lot of shit that you'll never need or use again. And if you do, buy it secondhand also go on Michael's uh, budget craft sites, think outside the box and don't go crazy with things. This is something I didn't play, but we did talk a lot about in the original episode. If you'd like to listen to that episode, it is number, gee whiz, it's number 14. That's quite early on in my save the date life there. But we do talk a lot about not deciding to DIY the fuck out of everything one week before the wedding. If you're going to do this, plan ahead. Don't commit to projects that are completely unrealistic or will have you (laughs) staying up half the night before your wedding sewing bloody demontes onto something. Stop it. Stop it right now. If you're a week out from your wedding and you haven't DIY'd something, don't do it. DIY something in your next life, in the next post-wedding project life. So that is part one of the best of the wedding bloggers. I absolutely encourage you to go and visit those three blogs that I featured today. In the next Monday episode, it's part two of the best of the wedding bloggers. I will bring you some exclusive content you haven't heard before and also highlight some of the best moments from my wedding blogging interviewees. I know there's been lots of them. I really try and keep my eye out for interesting and uh, niche niche wedding blogs that I think might be able to help you plan your wedding. If you have a wedding blogger that you've been following that uh, you would like to share with me, I would really appreciate that. The more people I meet and connect with, the more interesting and diverse information that I can share with you. So if you know someone that started a wedding blog, if you're writing a wedding blog, I would love to hear from you. Please visit savethedatepodcast.com. Send me an email, post me a letter. Well, don't do that because it won't get to me. But uh, Or hit me up on social media. I am most active on Facebook, Save the Date Podcast. Just Google 
Just Facebook Google. That's a thing. Me and also save the date. PC is my Twitter handle. I've got a lot of followers, but I love writing back to you and I love seeing what you are up to. So make sure that you include my Twitter handle in your wedding planning posts and I will keep up to date. Until Thursday in the Q&A episode where I will be talking all about... Unplugged weddings, wedding music, and talking a little bit more about some upcoming interviews I have with a very snazzy wedding photographer. And I'm also featuring a bride-to-be. If you would like to participate in the Save the Date Wedding podcast, if you would like to uh, get involved, send me a Q&A question. Again, hit me up, savethedatepodcast.com. Until next episode on Thursday, be sure to subscribe and have a great week. Happy days. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.